Yo, what's up, everybody? On this episode of the Bullpen Podcast, listen to me and Coindesk writer Lee Quinn talk about the differences in being a blockchain and cryptocurrency tech writer versus our old tech writing experience, exactly what she looks for when selecting a story to write, and some thought-provoking words on just how empowering cryptocurrency can be. Let's do it. Oh, wait. One more thing before we get to the podcast. In this podcast, The Crypto Bully, any co-host and his guests do not give financial or investment advice and encourage you to do your own research on all topics mentioned. Do not invest into this market what you can't afford to lose. I bet I know what you're thinking. Is this really Morgan Freeman? Well, unfortunately not. But Lyndon thought it would be a good idea to use such a soothing voice for the legal mumbo-jumbo to smooth things over. Now, let's do it. Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Play ball! Podcast number nine, the crypto bully. Wow! <laughs> he makes it look so easy. And that ball has left the stadium. Hey, what's up, everybody? I want to welcome everyone into episode 19 of the Bullpen Podcast, powered by ECC. I'm your host, the crypto bully, also known as Mr. Crypto Carlton. And here on this podcast, I like to get into the bullpen with some of the most interesting and influential individuals in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space to pick their brains about their opinions and to see what they have going on. So for today, have a really awesome guest for the show. I was really excited to get this person on. Uh, Really appreciate them taking the time out to come through to the show. She has a pretty impressive uh, track record without a doubt. And I mean, international journalist has dealt with publishing, managing, collaborating, current tech writer, you know, for multiple publications, uh, more notably Coindesk, which is super awesome. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest for today, Lee Quinn. How are you doing today? Hi, thanks for having me today. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I really, again, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to come onto the show. Really happy to have you on. And, you know, just to kind of get things started for anyone who may be unfamiliar with you, why don't you just give them a little background of kind of how you got into the cryptocurrency blockchain space and, and a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So I'm a journalist currently at Coindesk. I got my first newspaper internship when I was 16. And I've been working in the industry ever since in some capacity. So I've been doing this for a long time. I really first got into the space in 2017, right before things went crazy. An editor at Newsweek Media Group asked if I could spearhead their fintech coverage with an acute focus on blockchain technology. And I said, I'd do it, but only if I could do the real deep research in order to get a firm grasp on the subject and figure out how we could shape coverage. They said yes. And that's how my tumble down the rabbit hole began. Wow. 
Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's funny. So I, I kind of got in the market, I think, around the same time. And it was in 2017. Uh, I think I kind of caught wind and really got involved around like uh, March is April-ish time. So it was right before the whole summer kicked off and things started going crazy. Um, so that was pretty interesting. But that, that's pretty cool. And so I wonder then, like for what you're doing, do you have like when you're writing for CoinDisc, do you have like a certain story that you look for? Do you have like a preference? Like, how do you figure out what you want to write about? So in any newsroom, editors will ask you to find certain kinds of stories based on reader feedback and traffic metrics and even just in general company goals. And they'll even assign specific stories. So there's definitely some element of that at CoinDesk, which is very natural and good thing. For myself, when I'm looking for stories to bring to the editors, I want to see how this technology works in the wild with real people and diverse use cases. I talk to companies and communities building infrastructure and tools for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And then I hone in on projects that have quantifiable traction. That's literally what I'm looking for is how can I show what this does in the real world? That's I love that. I love that so much because I feel like when I'm looking, especially now, you know, having the knowledge and have done a lot of research, that's literally what I look for is I look for use cases where blockchain and cryptocurrency is actually being utilized by individuals rather than just, you know, the, just the trading aspect itself. So the fact that you're going out and that's pretty much your base of how you're, you know, finding and writing your articles, I think that's outstanding. <laughs> and I think that that does, um, that does wonders for people who, who read your work and, and I think you give them, give people a needed perspective in this space because I think that utilization is going to be huge. You know, that's, that's going to be really important. So that's kudos for that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, without a doubt. So with this, all right, I know you have a lot of experience also, you know, working with publications that were non-cryptocurrency or blockchain focused. Do you feel like there's a huge difference between Coindesk and say other companies you worked with that aren't blockchain or cryptocurrency focused? I wouldn't say it's Coindesk in particular, but I would say the blockchain space is so completely different from other areas of journalism. I felt like I had to relearn how to do my job. You have an opaque topic that few people truly understand a small clique of powerful companies and influencers that often control access, yet no external objective data sources to counter any advocates that are selling propaganda. So that's a real dilemma for journalists, right? At least when I was covering highly contentious topics like the Palestinian Israeli conflict, for example, we had institutions like the United Nations or Amnesty International. There aren't really any comparable sources when it comes to crypto. So it's really harder to find and defend the truth in this beat. However, when you do, there's a highly interactive audience uh, in crypto specifically that can be truly impacted on a personal level by your work, which is just extremely rewarding. And, you know, I might write an article about politics that I very rarely will I know that it has a direct impact on a reader. But when I write about crypto, I do often know that it has direct impact on my readers. And that's really rewarding. Wow. That's okay. That makes a lot of sense, you know. And yeah, I could definitely see how that would be the case. And I mean, obviously, with everything being so new in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space, yeah, I'm sure when it comes to journalism, obviously, sources are very important. So I could definitely see how that could be a a challenging thing. But again, like you said, when you do accomplish that and you are able to obtain that, it is rewarding. And I could see how that definitely brings something powerful to the space. Um, So, yeah, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And so like with this, right. Now, when you generally, you know, doing these articles, writing these articles, right? Do you feel like it's something that you pull from mainly? Is it like your own personal experience and perspective that you really look towards to pull from? Or do you try to really kind of like put yourself into the space of, you know, say a particular, maybe maybe you're writing about a particular topic or company and you try to kind of put yourself in their position or their shoes? 
Definitely, I'll always, every human being will always bring their own uh, perspective or, or biases. And that's something I really try and work hard to dismantle in my work. But when I'm writing about a company or a project, it's important to understand their perspective. And I do try and understand their perspective, but I don't want to write the article from their perspective. I want to write the article from the perspective of a user or an outsider trying to figure out whether they should use or how it impacts them because that's who I really want to be defending, right? So I want to understand the motivations and the goals and uh, the dynamics of the source, but I'm not writing for the source. I'm writing for a reader who needs to be informed about that source, if that makes sense. That's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, that, that, it does. And it makes a lot of sense. So definitely it's like you want to, yeah, you want to create a, a perspective that is insight to the person, obviously, that's going to be reading the article. And again, focusing on the user. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense as to why you would write to that perspective. So that's, yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, that definitely makes sense in reading your work and things of that sort. So, man, that's, that's pretty awesome. So with this, right, say, all right, I'm a journalist and, you know, I'm wanting to get into the blockchain and cryptocurrency space. And I really want to, you know, write about things like if you could give somebody, say, three tips or, or a little bit of guidance of what would help them in that, you know, specific field, what, what would you say? Uh, are the, is this person looking to become a professional journalist or is this person looking to, you know, I, it's the same answer either way. So the first thing to do is to start researching and to learn about the space. Uh, really go to meetups, go to classes, get involved with Twitter conversations or Telegram groups, and not for the purpose of investing and not for the purpose of getting an opinion, for the purpose of understanding who are the players, what are the tools, and how are they built? Like if I wanted to be a baker and I had never, I had no idea what a pie was. First, I would have to figure out like, what is an apple and how do you make dough? And how does that go together to make a pie? So once you figure out what, on a very basic level, what the space is, what the tools are, how those tools are built and managed, then I would highly recommend the person start writing for themselves. Figure out what it is that really inspires you, figure out what it is you have a strong opinion on and use the research that you've gotten and continue to do research to write succinct articles, nothing over a thousand words, keeping it closer to 500 to start is even better. And once you have a few things that you've written about, I would recommend starting to pitch freelance pieces to publications that accept. So Coindesk accepts op-ed pieces, other publications in the space accept freelance news articles, and you'd want to build yourself a portfolio, minimum of five articles, but three is a good place at least to start. And once you have a portfolio, then and you can you know start applying to jobs or you know start running a podcast or something like you need to get a little dirt under your fingernails before you try and do this full time because you're going to find that the process is really difficult and that you'll need to figure out what works for you in terms of keeping your facts together and finding new information but that that's the step i would say first research and get involved second start writing for yourself with no pressure then put on a little bit of pressure and start trying to write for other people nice ah, i appreciate that yeah that that definitely makes a lot of sense so yeah definitely uh uh finding yeah i mean of course i mean learning the space like you said it, it's it's crazy because when i got into it it really was i mean it, it's almost like its own world and there's so much information out there so many things you can learn um you know what people may refer to as the fundamentals of cryptocurrency or blockchain and just kind of learning how to maneuver through the space and you know where to get information from is definitely important so yeah that that definitely makes a lot of sense 
All right. So obviously you, you've been in this space for a while. You've been writing for a while. Can you think of what is like the most interesting or fun story that you feel like you, you've written or that, you know, news that you came across? Oh my gosh. It's like asking me to uh, pick my favorite child. <laughs> I don't know if it's my favorite of all time, but I really enjoyed writing the Elizabeth Stark influencer profile because I think it highlights the human aspects of building this technology. And I've also really enjoyed working with Iranian sources on several stories because as someone who talks to people all over the world about Bitcoin every day, um, the Tehran scene in particular is uniquely pragmatic, productive, and ethical. And I love highlighting people who are using real censorship-resistant tools. Mm, gotcha. Okay. Nice. Very good answer. Okay. So definitely have to take that piece out. That's pretty interesting. Man, it's so much. That's what I love about this space. So many, so many different things that you can hone into. And that's what I love. I love doing this, hearing a person, getting to know a person and then seeing the things that interest them. And I feel like that that's pretty awesome. You know, thinking about you from a journalist perspective and being able to read the things that you that you write about is almost, you know, it's insight into the space and also insight into you. And actually speaking to that, like, do you trade at all in the cryptocurrency space or do you have a, you know, do you have like an investing uh, stake in anything? I've never traded. I've never purchased an altcoin. I do own a small amount of Bitcoin. Uh, I often use it to practice, you know, using wallets or transacting for myself. But the Bitcoin I own is less worth less money than my favorite pair of high heels. (laughs) Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And do you feel like that's something that may change over time? Do you feel like you'll invest more? Do you feel like that's just, you know, that's where you're at with it and you're comfortable in in that? Definitely. I think that given my particular technical skill set, it would be unwise of me to have a large investment that I manage myself because I am still learning how to use these tools. Like back to the pie analogy I had made, people often say like the blockchain can do this or the blockchain will do that. But we need to understand what is the nouns and the verbs that we're talking about. We're talking about software that can be used as money. So what is software and what is money? And you need to develop unique skills for working with technical tools. They're just computer tools. It's just software. And also for money management. Money management is a complex topic that I think most people like to put off on others for good reason. Can mess up, it can cost you. So you need to learn good money management skills and uh, computer literacy in order to be able to manage a Bitcoin investment. And when I reach a point that I feel that I'm confident I could protect and secure a significant investment, maybe I'll also invest a little bit more in Bitcoin. That's awesome. And I love I love that answer uh, so much because, I mean, just hearing you say that, right, that's music to my ears <laughs> because I'm, you know, uh, you know, I invest in uh, myself and things like that. Right. And a lot of people ask me questions, things like that. And a lot of people get excited about the money making proponent of cryptocurrency. Right. And some may even skip, like like you said, the, the taking that time to really get the education in the background and, you know, feel comfortable to where, you know, you can make sound decisions when dealing with your investment. So to hear you say that, like anybody that's listening Yes, that, that that's the answer. Like that's that's exactly what it is. Cause that's that's how it was for me. As excited as I was about cryptocurrency and blockchain when I first got involved, I made myself do nothing but study for six to nine months so that I could really feel confident in making moves and not just be relying on luck, you know, more than anything. So 
I think that's awesome. And I think if that that you taking that approach would not be surprising you'd be successful in your your investing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Inshallah. Yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem. You know, and another another question I wanted to ask too, because I mean again, you I know you write for a lot of different publications and things like that. Just curious, out of my own curiosity, do you speak more than one language? I speak terribly in any other language I speak. <laughs> Oh, that's that's funny. Do you ever get like asked? Does anybody ever ask you to like write articles in other languages or do you know, do you ever, you know, do that at all? So I have worked a little bit in Spanish, but I would also work with a translator. I wouldn't want to publish something that I wrote in Spanish. I would definitely want someone <laughs> to edit me pretty thoroughly. Um, I, the other language I moderately speak, but at a very terrible degree is Hebrew. And I would not write in Hebrew. I did not read and write in Hebrew very well. I would definitely, I do work with translators all over the world. And you might've noticed, I said, inshallah, it's kind of become a part of my vocabulary. I often work with translators uh, for various languages. And I think working with someone that has that native fluency, even if you do speak the language, is really important for cultural competency. There are just ways that people use terms of phrase and, and things that they might refer to. And it's really important that when you're working in a community, that you work with that community instead of only viewing them through your lens, which will have a bias. Yeah, very true. Yep. Absolutely makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Man, so, so awesome. And then, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Hebrew, you know, that's something that I've always, you know, I've always wanted to uh, learn different languages, engage in different languages, just, you know, to engage in different cultures and things like that. Because like, especially when I think about blockchain and cryptocurrency, right, this is a worldwide thing. So to be able to do that and do that elsewhere, I think would offer just such a unique perspective. So that's on like my bucket list. Like I'm like, I really need to get into Rosetta Stone or whatever it is so I can, you know, uh, kind of, you know, just inject myself into those other other societies to just gain that perspective and the knowledge. Like, I just think it's 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 funny. I had an interview not too long ago with somebody who's over in uh, who's over in uh, Bangkok. And it's just the experience when dealing with blockchain and cryptocurrency, uh, you know, across the world is can be so vastly different. And I'm just like, wow, like that's 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 intense, but it's awesome. You know, so that's that's definitely something I want to do on my bucket list. And, uh, you know, thinking about another thing with, I think about news, right? Obviously for me, I definitely try to keep up to date and pay attention to what's going on in the cryptocurrency and blockchain space pretty much on a daily, right? And, but there are like crazy amounts of news sources out there, um, outlets that are pushing out, you know, um, um, articles and things like that with you, right? When you're thinking about, all of these different outlets there. Do you feel like that there's a a trend that's happening? Like if somebody asks you like, all right, how do I know where to get good information from? What would you tell them? Oh, no, because there were multiple questions dropped in that. Starting with where to get good information. I feel like at Coindesk, we do a pretty good job. I would also recommend making a list of sources that you trust. Like for example, uh, Jameson Lopp, he publishes great educational articles. I consider him to be a relatively unbiased and reliable source. So you can make Andreas, oh, I always butcher his name, Antonopoulos, I believe, is also someone who posts a lot of things online that is really helpful. Um, so just making a list for yourself of who are the people that are posting information online that I need to know and what are the publications that I trust in, in that. So that's where I would go for that. And the other question you had asked in there was big things coming up, I think. Yes, you got it. So I think... In 2019, we're probably going to see some significant growth with regards to the Lightning Network. And I also think that remittance use cases are spreading and have potential to increase. 
this makes me very bullish about the real world value of Bitcoin, regardless of the market price. I 100 percent agree. And that's why I said it, it made me so happy when you were talking about the fact that you you like to base your articles off of real world use cases, things like that, because I feel like I'm seeing more and more of that as time passes. And like you said, that is the type of stuff that makes me bullish on blockchain and cryptocurrency and things like that, rather than obviously just the price itself, you know, because obviously it's, it, utilization is important. You know, if, if it's if it's not getting used, then, you know, what real value will it hold in the future? So when I think about people, individuals, companies, entities that are actually taking this and trying to put it into a product or a service that is utilized in a way to where it makes sense. And then especially when it gets to the point to where it, it's simple for the average day user and they don't have to worry about accidentally copying and pasting incorrectly a 64-bit encrypted, <laughs> you know, a, a public key, you know, that's that's the type of stuff that excites me. Uh, it just hitting back on another thing you said, which I think is really important, which honestly, I started to think more about recently when I was thinking about the internet with you, right? It's like, okay, you have certain individual sources like, for example, Andreas Antonopoulos, right? Which is awesome. He has a lot of good information. And then you have larger publications like Coindesk. And it's crazy because I don't know why I didn't think about this before the interview with you, but I'm like, like you said, thinking about people within those big publications that write well, that you feel like feeds the information that you're looking for. That's such a great idea, because I think a lot of people, I think, mainly just go to just that main source for articles rather than picking individual writers and things like that. But it is true. Like when I was I went to, went to your coin desk page and I was going through the articles that you had written and I was just like, wow. Like thinking like, okay, I may have, you know, there's so much information coming from everywhere. I may have missed this particular article if I didn't look at, you know, your selection just specifically. So, yeah, I think that that's really good advice. And I think that anybody could take that and use that to help increase their their knowledge of the space. So definitely appreciate that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, of course. Not a, not a problem at all. And, uh, you know, one, another thing I like to ask this to pretty much every guest that, that comes on the show. In your opinion, what do you feel like? What do you want to be your mark? What do you want to leave on the cryptocurrency and blockchain world? Yeah, I hope that less tech savvy people like myself will be able to read my work and understand the choices they have to use censorship resistant tools and that they can also see the value for it for perfectly legal and ethical activities. The first time I heard about Bitcoin was in 2015. I mean, I was report on darknet markets. And I loved the idea, but I didn't look too much deeper into it because I didn't really have any interest in buying drugs in a darknet market. Right, right. But there are so many different ways to use Bitcoin and also so many ways to use a lot of these tools in general. And I hope that also that the community will be able to appreciate ethical participants and recognize problematic players or patterns. It's not my job to decide who's a hero and who's a villain, but I can present facts that might have otherwise been opaque and let people see and choose for themselves what they want to use and who it is they want to engage with. Right. That's awesome. 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 I could say that a million times. Uh, Yes, (laughs) I totally, uh, I totally agree with that. It is. I mean, Again, I feel like that stuff like that is so important. And it's funny because that's kind of how I feel about my podcast in the same sense. Right. It's just like I'm here to create dialogue in a sense of I'm not trying to say this is good or this is bad, but it's like, okay, take this, you know, and then 
search and figure out what it is, you know, what it is for you and, and kind of leave that, leave that to the people that are listening and things like that. So the fact that you're doing that as a, as a journalist, I feel like that's awesome. And <laughs> that makes me want to read all of your work. So uh, that's for sure. I'll surely be telling people to go, to go check you out and to look into your work and things like that. And you know what? Another thing that I think I want to talk about that I want to hit on, which is awesome a thing that I, I I feel like I'm getting more engaged with and, and more excited about just the topic itself of women in crypto, women that are in, in crypto and blockchain and engaged. Can you offer any perspective, you know, on that? Like how does, how does that, you know, how does that feel? I think, I think it's awesome. And I, I love to see, I want, I want to see a lot more women become engaged in this space and, and take on uh roles, important roles. And I think that that's awesome. So, I mean, how, how do you feel about that? In, in general. Yeah. So I feel like there's a common misconception in a lot of public media that there is a disproportionate amount of sexism in the crypto space or that there aren't many women. And just both of these are, are false. So I think what they, people have noticed is that in the world at large, there are less women with economic resources and education and positions of power. And this is true. Sexism is across the entire planet and crypto is no exception because there are people involved. I would say that in my work in this space, actually compared to other industries I've covered, I have a much easier time finding successful leaders, women leaders um, at companies, at different uh, legal organizations. There are many, many, many women contributing to the growth of this technology. And what some people might highlight as like particular examples of people misbehaving is really a reflection of the broader world that we live in. However, I will say that when we think about what is the value add of Bitcoin, of censorship-resistant financial transactions, that very much applies to situations that women disproportionately experience. Like, for example, first off, in many countries around the world, there are different stages of women's rights with being able to even own bank accounts and own businesses and transact. So that's, but even if, like, let's talk about in our modern New York, Los Angeles, these kinds of places. I think most people don't know that the vast majority of domestic abuse victims are also victims of something called financial abuse, where the abuser controls the woman's access or the victim's access, could also be a man, to income, to banking to expenditure, like controls their access to money as part of the abuse. As a matter of fact, the vast majority of victims that have physical or emotional abuse have some level of also financial abuse. So that means that we have this, and obviously the, the victims of that kind of violence are disproportionately women. So if you know 10 women, 10 women anywhere, I am willing to bet you that you know a woman who has experienced financial abuse on some level. And that means that there's this whole category of people that perfectly legal, perfectly ethical transactions, it's not because they need, um, you know, they're hackers or anything, but just in their everyday lives could very much use censorship resistant, self-sovereign financial tools as a way of empowering themselves and gaining their rights and independence, which legally they already have, but in practice are denied from them by their families or intimate partners. So I think that in reality, Bitcoin has the most potential for helping people that disproportionately include women in that group. Wow. That is an amazing perspective. I have literally never not, I have never one time heard that. And that is extremely true. Um, I don't even, I, it's funny. It is when you, when you typically hear about 
abuse and things like that, you don't typically think like, oh, financial abuse and somebody using money to control a person. Obviously, that's a very real thing and it happens all the time. But that is that's like so true. And to be able to take something like Bitcoin and to be able to use that as a way to, you know, make yourself sovereign in that in that particular way, shape or form, it is. That's huge. That's extremely empowering and that's extremely powerful on the things that could come from that. So that, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's super awesome. And I definitely appreciate you sharing that perspective. Uh, that's something I'm actually going <laughs> to I'm going to think about a lot. That's that's pretty it's pretty awesome. And that's that's why I love this. That's why I love doing this podcast. You know, things like that, topics like that, that I feel like can 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 spark conversations that are extremely powerful and get people thinking about ways to hone in on things like that, to create things that really help in that scenario. So thank you. (laughs) Definitely. Thank you for that. I mean, Lee, again, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show. You are absolutely 100% welcome to come back on this podcast whenever you want. It has been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. And I uh, hope everyone has a great weekend. Hey, absolutely. Without doubt. Um, and, and again, you know, uh, I know you publish on a coin with Coindesk. I mean, is there a place where people can go to find you? Where, the best place for people to find your work? So definitely Coindesk.com. You can also just Google Coindesk and then my name, L-E-I-G-H. That's Lee Quinn, which is spelled C-U-E-N. My Coindesk page will come up in particular, my author page. Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter. That's L-A underscore underscore C-U-E-N. Again, if you just Google my name plus the word Twitter, I'll come up. Awesome. All right. And just so everybody knows, I'll make sure I put those links in the show notes so it's easy to access for everybody. Um, I highly encourage you to go check out her work. It's awesome. I've read a couple of things myself. Um, and again, Lee, thank you so, so much for coming on to the show. And yeah, I'll definitely be in touch. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. You have a great weekend as well. Bye. Okay. Bye. We'd like to thank everyone for your support here at the Bullpen Podcast all season long and look forward to having you at the next episode. We'd also like to give a special thanks to the team behind the scenes that make this show possible. Today's show notes can be found on our website at thebullpenpodcast.io forward slash post show stats. Also, don't forget to like and retweet us at one bullpen podcast. That's the number one bullpen podcast and to watch Lyndon do some exciting and probably some weird things too tune into the snapchat at the crypto bully that's at the crypto bully it's been a pleasure and see you at the next show good night everyone